Newly declassified documents show that Hillary Clinton was behind the Trump-Russia plot. Joe Biden might not debate President Trump next week, and Texas has taken the lead against Netflix. We've got that and much more coming up, and it starts right now. Hi there. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Hillary Kennedy. I'm filling in for Sarah Gonzalez while she's at home enjoying her new baby boy. But at the table with me today, I've got two people that know a few things about kids. Mr. Chad Prather of the Chad Prather Show. Mm -hmm. I got 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 a few. I got five of them. And a vasectomy. It's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And we also have Jason Buttrell, the head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck. Glad you're here. You you know something about kids, too. I thought you were going to say that because we are are kind of like kids. (laughs) That was where this was going. (laughs) Not far. Based on my comment. (laughs) Glad you guys are here today. All right. So I want to get started with... uh, the DNI declassifying Brennan's notes and the CIA memo on the allegation that Hillary Clinton approved the plot to tie Trump to Russia. So the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, he declassified those notes um, along with the CIA memo from 2016, citing intelligence that Hillary Clinton approved of this plot by her campaign to accuse him of collusion with Russia in order to distract from that email scandal ahead of the election back then. And we've got a clip um, of Brennan playing down his role in this. What can you tell us about these notes that you wrote about this Russian intelligence? Uh, and what do you make of DNI Ratcliffe uh, releasing them right now? Well, John Ratcliffe is anything but an intelligence professional. He, it is appalling, his selective declassification of information that clearly is designed to advance the political interests of Donald Trump and uh, Republicans who are aligned with him. But uh, these were my notes from the 2016 period when I briefed President Obama and the rest of the National Security Council team about what the Russians were up to. And I was giving examples of the type of access that the U.S. intelligence community had to Russia, Russian information and what the Russians were talking about and alleging. Now, if, in fact, what the Russians were alleging that Hillary was trying to highlight the reported uh, connections between Trump and the Russians, if, in fact, that was accurate, and that's a big if, there is nothing at all illegal about that. And so John Radcliffe and others are trying to portray this as potentially unlawful activity that deserved follow-up investigation by the FBI. No, it was a campaign activity. So the notes that Brennan wrote, uh, they say things like cite alleged approval by Hillary Clinton on proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by Russian security. He also wrote um, POTUS in the margin. He wrote the names of or initials of some people, J.C., Dennis and Susan, but they could have been referring to FBI Director James Comey. Susan could have been referring to the right. National Security Advisor, Susan Rice. So Jason, you're you know a lot about this. Too so, much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell me your take on this. Whew. Uh, talk about selective. I love. Uh, so we're probably. I don't think so. Trump has asked for the everything to be declassified without um, any redactions. I don't see how that's going to happen because what he's talking about here, and he mentions that he even uses an acronym for whatever source this was. He says CITE. I don't think we'll ever hear what CITE is. It's just some intelligence acronym. But they're never going to give up that source. So you're not going to see portions of this, which is sad. But to put everything into context here, this is what happened. So in July, I think it was like July 22nd, the uh, DNC emails were released. Right after that, this is when they picked up this information from the Russians. The Russians were saying, hey, which is probably like NSA intercepts is what I'm just assuming or guessing. 
that the Russians are saying, look, Hillary Clinton and her campaign want to redirect everything. They want all the eyes off them. They want everyone to blame Trump for the collusion. Now, we know from another um, uh, declassification and release that the Steele dossier, you know, that was the main driver of the entire Russia collusion case, their main informer or source was a Russian spy. Now, this is insane. He was a Russian spy. He worked, at, I believe it was, was it for the Atlantic Council? I don't remember. It was a big think tank in Washington, D.C. Um, he, I think he was actually a Russian national. Um, he had been re- uh, caught by the FBI with consorting with uh, known Russian intelligence operatives here in the U.S. He was also overheard, and I don't know if you heard this, but th- this is insane. He was also overheard talking to people that he worked with saying, if you ever get a position you know, within the White House or within the Pentagon, there's money to be made through information. This guy's a Russian spy. I'm sorry. So the FBI knew all of this. They knew it was opposition research, and they knew a Russian spy was helping them. Now, all of that in the context of this. So this sounded like Brennan was warning Obama. That's what it sounded like mm-hmm. to me. Saying, look, this information's out there. This is what's going on. At the exact same time they have this information, at the exact same time they started the Crossfire Hurricane uh, uh, investigation. Not mentioning Hillary Clinton, but the exact narrative that Clinton was saying that I want to redirect, you know, and make it look like that it was uh, Trump colluding with the Russians over these emails. It was almost word for word what they used in all their FISA docs and their justification for the uh, to start the entire investigation. It's insane. Do you think we will ever see any arrests? No. Never. I don't think so. I, I really don't. I think people like John Brennan, uh, I think that A-tier, I think they're pretty much untouchable. I think they're too big to fall. I think that other people, what I think, and what I've been saying is that there will be lower level people that will go down for this. I even think Susan Rice is above, uh, is in that pay grade where she's just above the law. I don't think we will. I really don't. I think they'll try. And I think Donald Trump was pissed off. I think he's pissed off right now because Barr and Durham are taking forever. But investigations take forever. But I think that... I, I'm, I'm assuming that, and again, this is all just assumption, mm-hmm. that probably Barr and Durham gave him the green light to say, look, we've already gotten to that part in our investigation. You're not gonna, we're not going to see any indictments because these things take a while, but you're greenlit to release, start releasing some of this information. So I think this is just the first of a lot more to come. Well, so you mentioned this earlier. For people who haven't been following this story, uh, Trump did authorize the declassification of all the documents related to the Russia hoax. Um, He said, I have fully authorized the total declassification of any and all documents pertaining to the single greatest political crime in American history, the Russia hoax. Likewise, the Hillary Clinton email scandal, no redactions. And he added, all Russia hoax scandal information was declassified by me Long ago. Unfortunately for our country, people have acted very slowly, especially since it is perhaps the biggest political crime in the history of our country. Act. So this announcement that he made, it came within hours of Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe's declassifying that heavily redacted CIA memo. Do you think any of this changes anything in the election? (laughs) I really do. Don't. I, I, well, I think, okay, well, let, me, let me caveat this with, I think there's a lot of independents now that um, are teetering. So they're not too sure. They see what happened in the last debate, and they're like, oh my gosh, that was just a, such a debacle. Maybe I'll vote for Biden. And then, so they could go either way. Then they see maybe something like this, that could, this could be the smoking gun for them to say, okay, they were so corrupt, for sure voting for Trump. So I think there's a small you know, minority. The problem is, that's actually a big problem. There's not enough people in the middle nowadays in America. Mm-hmm. We're so polarized to the left and right. So I think all of the, all the people that are on the right, we know the danger of the far left shift that's going right now and where they're going to end up. But all the people on the left, 
they're in their camp. They just hate Trump because he's Trump and he's a danger to the agenda that they had going for eight years under Obama. So I think everyone's in their camp mm -hmm. and now everyone's fighting over that small, you know, sliver in the middle. I, I think it can make a difference. I, I really do. I, I, I think they're running out of time. But they've got, what, four weeks now to convince people that, look, this, the, when he said that, that's not hyperbole. I, I, I truly believe this was the worst political crime in history. Screw Watergate, all that other stuff. Uh, this was, we haven't had a peaceful transition of power since 2008. Mm. We really haven't. Right. They, this is, they were weaponized from day one. This started before he even got in office, and then we've seen hashtag resistance that involves Obama, you know, like his uh, organization, Organizing for Action. They, they've, they're the ones that have been active, you know, mobilizing all these people and putting them out in the streets. Like, it never stopped. He never really peacefully trans, uh, transferred power. Mm -hmm. I do think it can make a difference. I really do, but they're running out of time. And so you think that they won't continue to expose some of this information? You don't think that a lot of this redacted information will be made public as we get closer to the election? I think it's going to be hard to get some of the some of the redactions out because mm -hmm. there's a whole lot. There's like the, you know, the presidential communications uh, privileges that, you know, how did Obama react to that? You know what I'm saying? Like right. when Brennan was like, hey, there's this information. What, did, what was Obama's next sentence? Like, oh, crap, we can't let that get out. We can't let them know that we've been helping this along. Like, that's not going to get unredacted. Right. If it did, this is all over. You know, it'd be so, it'd be so great. But there are things that will not be. But I, I, but I really do. I think that they've got how many years now have they been looking into this? They, they've been looking into it for a while. That's why the president's also frustrated because it's just not coming out, you know, as quick as he would want it to. And he knows he knows all this stuff. He knows what they were trying to do, that the Obama's uh, team was in league with Hillary Clinton mm -hmm. to help her redirect the narrative and frame him as a, basically a Russian spy. It's so ridiculous. Trump knows all this stuff. That's why he's frustrated. But yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. If this is the first salvo, what do we see next? I, I do think it could make a difference. I really do. I'm still waiting on celebrities to tell me what to think. All <laughs> right. That's a good point. At the end of the day, uh, a couple of takeaways. Trump's fully out of Fs, right? He's out of them. He's yeah. done with it. He's a counterpuncher. He wants immediate results. He's had to deal with this. He knows he was spied on. He knows he was listened to. He knows that he was set up. He knows that there were this, this big collusion investigation that took two years and cost $30 million. And you know now they're releasing how much all that actually did cost. Uh, think about how much you wouldn't know had Hillary Clinton actually been elected and, and had won the presidency. How much we wouldn't know about the, the law enforcement community at the federal level. We wouldn't know about the intelligence community. We wouldn't know about so many of these names. Christopher Steele. Uh, we wouldn't know about the FISA court. Would, people would still be a mysterious thing in America. We wouldn't know all these things. We wouldn't know who Jake Tapper was. We wouldn't know who Jim Acosta was. We didn't know, you know, we, we, we wouldn't know all of these names that are now household names. Uh, and so it's a big deal. I think Trump wants his vindication. He wants his ounce of flesh there. And, and he knows that the only way, I mean, imagine if Trump doesn't win this election and now he's citizen Trump again. <laughs> how frustrating knowing how he is. I mean, he could sit on the toilet and have a tweet storm one night all night long and reveal a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> and I wouldn't put it past him to do it at this point. It's really amazing. You, you, everything they, they claim Trump is guilty of, every time we really analyze it, they're guilty of the exact same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Only the Trump side never gets caught with anything of real substance. Mm -hmm. The quid pro quo stuff. Well, Biden was the first person to do a quid pro quo with Ukraine. Yeah. The very first person. Like, what, everything they were screaming about, he was already doing. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> the, uh, the Russian collusion. What do you call a campaign, Hillary Clinton's campaign, working with a Russian spy 
to push this. Right. I mean, everything. I mean, Hunter Biden, uh, who in uh, in Trump's uh, family has been given millions of dollars from some rich Russian oligarch? Mm-hmm. Zero. But Hunter Biden has three point five million dollars. Well, and so do you feel like that's why the mainstream media hasn't really been covering this? Mm-hmm. I mean, because we really haven't seen all that much about it compared to some other stories. Can, that are can, in the let news. me interject something that seems totally unrelated. If you read the news, you see that Derek Chauvin, the guy that choked and put his knee on George Floyd's neck, has now posted one million dollar bail and is no longer incarcerated. Who paid a cop's $1 million bail? He didn't do it. There you see someone acting behind the scenes to create a brush fire over here for the media to cover, because mm-hmm. if it bleeds, it leads. And so now you watch and see. Someone out there would love to see some more of those, quote, peaceful protests happen to take the eyes off the American viewer of the media to when they should be paying attention to this story right here. Yeah, the media is always, too. I mean, I... It, why they don't cover these things? Uh, yeah, you, they either co- they either redirect towards something else, or they just don't talk about it at all. I cannot believe when we found out that this the primary source for the Steele dossier was a Russian spy. Right. If you if you don't watch this network, or maybe even a little bit on Fox, not Fox even hardly cover it that much at all either. But if you don't, you just didn't hear about it. If you're on the left, you don't even got a chance. Like if all you would listen to was CNN, MSNBC, and those networks, you're just not going to hear you about. Know it. anything? Yeah. yeah you just. But imagine if the situation was reversed. Rachel Maddow, her head would explode. Yeah. <laughs> she'd be going through this conspiracy, you know, and she'd be like, oh my gosh, it's like a Tom Clancy novel. It's, yeah. They'd be going insane. That w- They'd be leading with that, and Keith Olbermann would reignite the resistance, <laughs> you know, videos. You know, so that was hilarious. I, when he, I think when he realized that nothing was going to happen, mm. he did that famous final video where he's like, I am convinced that he's going to be out of office in a month, you know, or whatever, and... That just kind of poof, went away. Yeah. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> well, I love hearing your take on it because I do think you're right. Like because they haven't been able to find anything in the Trump camp, it's like eh, if there's nothing salacious here, then moving on to the next. Yeah. Which also we will be moving on to the next because we've got to go to a break. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Omega XL. Um, I spoke with my doctor recently about a remedy for uh, pain, and she wanted to give me an injection, and I said nope. So then I had a conversation about pain with Dr. McQuillan from Omega XL and whether it's your back or your knees, your neck or your shoulder pain. The underlying cause is likely inflammation and you have to defeat inflammation or it can cause permanent damage. Backed by 35 years of clinical research, Omega XL attacks the inflammation that's causing my pain. It is brilliant because pain relievers and topical rubs, they just mask the problem. Omega XL neutralizes the inflammation that causes painful, stiff joints and muscles. And the doctor said something else that really stuck with me. She said, with my prescription pad, I can't write anything that comes close to doing what Omega XL does. So that was good enough for me. So if you're suffering with aches and pains and stiffness, you need to try Omega XL. Let's get you started. Order Omega XL now and get a second bottle free. Just visit OmegaXL.com slash news. That's OmegaXL.com slash news. Or call 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. One more time, 800-844-4888. We'll be back in just a minute. really interesting story. A former New York Times reporter and now anti-lockdown author Alex Berenson said President Donald Trump's encouragement to the American people to not let COVID-19 dominate their lives might be the most presidential thing Trump has ever said. We've got a clip of this. 
Can I pull back for a second? Please. I, I want to say something about what the president said today, what he tweeted today, where he said, um, you know, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. And you can't and say, hold on, you can't say that. I just want to issue a warning to our viewers. Of course, you should be terrified and on the brink of suicide. <laughs> I just want to say that. Okay, go ahead. That, 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 that's right. I mean, that might be the most presidential thing this president has ever said. Okay, because here's what he's saying. He's not actually saying don't be don't be afraid of COVID. He's saying don't be afraid of one another. Okay, because this is a respiratory virus. It spreads between people. And the only way to really make it go away permanently is to lock us all away permanently. And that that can't happen. That is not compatible with life. So he also additionally pointed to the just stark contrast between Trump and Joe Biden in regards to the coronavirus. He said people can vote for Joe Biden or Donald Trump for all kinds of reasons. But Joe Biden has barely gotten out of his house, it feels like, in the last six months. And Donald Trump has lived. OK. And he took a chance. He rolled the dice and he got caught. He actually did get the coronavirus. But guess what? It's not that dangerous. It looks like he's going to be fine, even though he's a 74-year-old man who's mildly overweight. So that's the lesson we should take here. We need to live. So do you think this is how most Americans feel about it? I don't know about most Americans, but I, I think there is a, a, a vast group who do feel that way. Um, you know, I, it, if you see that clip, you've got that, that headshot there of Joe Biden wearing his mask on, on that interview there. Obviously, he's outside, looks like on a tarmac or something. If you watch that clip, the mask actually falls off of his face. It exposes his nose towards the end while he's talking. He reaches up with his bare hand and he adjusts the mask back onto his face. There's nothing sanitary or healthy about that action. This is not a thing that we're doing correctly. I mean, you guys have seen the movies, right? I mean, you, you guys know there's stuff down in the rainforest that if we stepped on the wrong mushroom, it will wipe out humanity <laughs> in a matter of 15 days. I mean, there's stuff in a box at the CDC that if it ever got loose, we'd all be dead in a matter of days. Probably so, stuff in your house. There's probably stuff loose. under my bed. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's, it's so dumb. I mean, and we're acting like, oh my God, you know, you're going to catch this thing. I've kissed seven people today. It's all good. I mean, okay, so so there are certain people. I've never said that the virus isn't real. I've never said that it's not contagious, but it didn't kill the millions and millions that people are going to say, or as Joe Biden says, 100 million people by the end of this speech. You know, that's, that's it's just farcical. So my thing is, and I've said this over and over, we, we keep kicking this can down the road. You've got to live your life because at the end of the day, did you tweet this? Did I see you tweet this? It said people are even if there is a vaccine, eventually people are going to keep on wearing masks no matter what, because was that you or was that somebody else? Either way. <laughs> Sounds like something I would tweet. Probably. <laughs> yeah. But even if there's a vaccine, it doesn't go away. It's just like the flu doesn't go away with a flu vaccine. It's still there. So you're going to have a large group of people who are going to wear these masks for the rest of of their lives. And that's the change we've seen in the world today. People are scared of other people. And it's a shame. It really is. They want us afraid. They absolutely want us afraid. <clears throat> Never forget that the entire reason for the lockdowns was supposed to be two weeks. Two weeks to control the spread. Why was they, were they doing that? So hospitals wouldn't get overrun, so they could have time to get respirators, they could t get time to get triage areas ready, all that stuff. Hospitals were never really overrun in the vast majority of the country. In New York, New York's a different. different. <clears throat> um, but two weeks, that's all this was supposed to be. Two weeks turned into months. Months turned into a year now. Now they're saying 2021, things still won't be normal. In 2021, like the entire year. 
So we're looking at 2022, what they're saying, which is total bullcrap because probably after the election, this all goes away. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, but they want us scared. They, they want us scared. They want us subjugated. And it's really all our fault. It really is. I'm more of a radical, I think, on this. Um, I think people should just say, screw it right now. That's why I never wear a mask. Um, I, I go into a place. I will not. I blow right past the unconstitutional sign that says must wear a mask. I go in. If people tell me to put a mask on, I give them the finger. If uh, management comes up to yeah. me and says you're trespassing, then I leave because that's a different charge. They can get me on trespassing, but they're not going to get me putting, you know, a piece of damn cloth on my face. Right. Never going to tell me but to do so that. So many people think that it's a law. So many people. It's a mandate. I know. But so many people don't know. I mean, really, I've got friends that don't know, and I try and educate them on that. Well, what has become know, is a cult. It's become a cult. They're worshiping at an altar, of, and, and, the, and the, um, the talisman is the mask, right? They're work, worshiping at the altar of safety, and the talisman is the mask, and that is the thing. You either have it or you don't have it. It's your rosary, so to speak. It's your it's your sign that you're a part of the cult. Uh, and I'm not saying because you carry a rosary that the Catholics are a cult. I'm not saying that. So don't, don't misinterpret. I'm using it as a bad example. But if you're not wearing the mask, then you're not part. You're not one of us. You're you're anti safety, and therefore you're not a part of the church, so to speak. Yeah. Our our little church of the mask, and so. If you don't do that, then you're going to be judged. And how dare you? How dare you violate our idol? You know, and that's what it's become. There are people who are going to live the rest of their life this way. Mm-hmm. No questions about it. Even after the election, will a lot of things go away? A lot of things will go away. But people have been so scared into submission. Yeah. Keep these well, I just on. want to keep canceling things. And uh, speaking of, Joe Biden says if Trump still has coronavirus by the second debate, <laughs> it should be canceled. So we have uh, we have a clip of that. Let's listen to that first. I'm looking forward to being able to debate him, but I just hope all the protocols are followed, which necessary at the time. Do you feel safe in the same room as somebody who still may have COVID? Well, uh, I think if he still has COVID, we shouldn't have a debate. But then on Monday, previously, he said, look, if the doctors listen to the scientists, if the scientists say that it's safe, the distances are safe, then I think that it's fine. I'll do whatever the experts say is the appropriate thing to do. But then MSNBC also decided to weigh in on this. So let's listen to this. And you're a lawyer. Maybe mm-hmm. the president yeah. is just immune Not from a good everything. One, but yes, I am. Because the president said, to him, maybe I'm immune now. Is he legally immune? What if his Secret Service men and women who have to drive him around in these vans and get exposed to his deadly coronavirus. Mm -hmm. What if one of them gets sick and dies? What if somebody at that Rose Garden event gets sick and dies? I don't want this to happen, and I wish for his health. But I'm just wondering, he's pushing all of this against the advice of the professionals in his government, against the advice of scientists. At some, some point, isn't this manslaughter? I mean, (laughs) if you purposefully put people like, in a position like, where yeah. you send a vet deadly virus their way. Mm-hmm. What is that? So do you think <laughs> that the Biden campaign is using this? They you first originally said, yeah, if the doctors say it's fine, we're there. I'm ready for the debate. And now it's like, uh, I don't know. Do you think they're using this to try and stop the debate from happening? Uh, well, probably. Yes. Uh-huh. I, I think that, uh, I think that if he still has coronavirus, it seems kind of obvious that he just wouldn't go to the ba- to the debate. That's the obvious thing. Um, he's been he hasn't had any symptoms. I think for at least twenty four hours, probably more by now. He's probably going to be fine. But there's that word probably. 
I don't mean like his health will be fine. He's probably not going to be contagious at that point. But when, as long as there's the word probably in there, they'll use that as an excuse to try to scrap the debate. And they'll blame Donald Trump. They'll say it's his fault for endangering all of us. They're, they're already setting it up. Mm-hmm. Biden was just playing right along with what he's been told to do, which is make coronavirus more the deal, and especially being that he had contracted it, and he might keep spreading it because he just doesn't care about the coronavirus, just like he didn't, you know, for the past, you know, year or so. Um, they're definitely setting up the uh, setting up that out for them if they want to take it, which is kind of stupid if you think so. I mean, you know, Biden had a jump after the polls because by and large people were pissed off at that debate. Um, unless that they think that the Trump campaign kind of learned their lessons. Look, Trump, what he needs to do is what he did with Hillary, right? So he had a lot of one-liners, but he didn't try to dominate the debate. He let Hillary get all of her crazy out, which is what you had to do with Biden. Right. Let him get, he'll, he'll, he'll sink his own ship. Let him sink his own ship and right. let him go down. And then once he says something really stupid, then you come out with that one-liner like, because you'd be in jail type right. thing. That's where everyone loved Trump right there. He doesn't have to yell over him. Um, so maybe they're, maybe they're scared that they've learned that lesson and that's what they're expecting in the next debate. If, the, if it doesn't happen, Chad, do you, what do you think he should do to try to connect with people if, if the second debate doesn't take place? Well, he, he's got to get, he's got to continue to get in front. You, I'm assuming you mean Trump. He's got to mm-hmm. continue to get in front of the American people. He's got to continue to speak to them, whether it's a virtual debate, which I don't know that that's going to happen. Look, you're right. I feel like we're playing, you watch MSNBC, it's like a game of Clue. It was Hope Hicks in the Rose Garden with yeah. the China virus. <laughs> uh, and, and so, I, it, yeah, I, I, I think he feels like, Biden feels like he came out on top because Trump made himself look bad and so if he can just leave it the way it is he's going to be just fine but at some point in time you got it trump's got to have that opportunity to give him enough rope to hang himself because he'll do it well fingers are crossed that the second debate does happen put him in a bubble all right so we've got more to uh, to talk about coming up next we've got to thank our sponsor first it's rough greens and the dogs mm. have spoken well, not literally, but it's pretty evident by the way that they eat that their food when it's got rough greens on it because they're so happy. So if you're a dog owner, you know that loving your dog, it's only just part of the responsibility you have as his owner. You also have to take good care of him and make sure that you do everything that you can to promote a healthy, happy life for him. And that is why I love rough greens. Rough Greens, it isn't a dog food. It's actually a supplement that you put on your dog's food. It contains all the nutrients that your dog needs, but those get cooked out of the the kibble food when it's being made. The probiotics, the antioxidants, the vitamins, the minerals, the omega oils, these are just some of the things that your dog needs to lead a healthier lifestyle, and they're all the things that are in Rough Greens. So get the Rough Greens Jumpstart Bag today for just $14.95 and start the process of getting your dog healthier and happier. If you want to see your dog thrive again, just go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F greens.com slash blaze. We'll be back in a minute. Well, you know what people love? More rules when it comes to wearing masks. Am I right? I mean, doesn't everybody love that? Well, California Governor Gavin Newsom, he loves to give more rules, too. Uh, His office tweeted that restaurant diners should put their masks on in between bites to help slow the spread of the coronavirus. So they put out this tweet that said, going out to eat with members of your household this weekend? Don't forget to keep your mask on in between bites. Do your part to keep those around you healthy. Slow the spread. Uh, So interestingly, the tweet includes an image showing a diner wearing a mask while reading a menu, then with her mask off while eating, and then her mask on again after finishing her meal. And then they say, 
Diner tip number one, minimize the number of times you take your mask off. That's what's so hilarious about that. It's contradictory. Yes. You take it off and put it back on like a hundred times. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, people definitely noticed that too. They got some pushback on Twitter. Someone said, so should we wash our hands after touching our mask each time we remove it between bites? What if I'm eating chips and salsa and I go for a double dip? Is that technically two bites since it's the same chip? And then uh, that same person says, what if I take a bite of the, the chip first dip and it gets lodged in my throat? and I start choking. Should I put the mask on first and then start coughing or would it be okay to try and preserve my life first without the mask? So, Jason, you, I mean, you said, hey, when people ask you to wear the mask or put your mask on, you give them the middle finger. So, if you were in California, would, I'm assuming you would be mocking people putting their mask off and on in between everybody. <laughs> For sure. That's, that's just dumb. That's just idiotic. I, I'm sure the majority, I, don't, I would hope the majority of the people in his state are hitting him over how stupid this is. I mean, the people that are pushing these types of rules don't even know how it works. Like you were pointing out before, you know, your hand is basically disgusting from touching all these other things, putting it on the mask, even just to readjust. Right. You're spreading germs that way. Uh, I can't, I'm having a hard time like explaining what he's thinking there. But again, it's just like trying to make people feel perpetually scared. Really, yes. it's it's really what it's all about. Between watching that and Bill De Blasio's uh, little show on the front of the courthouse steps, there where he puts his mask on and he salutes and he turns around oh, and walks gosh. in the thing. I mean, these guys they really like to strap things on. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, <laughs> that was like a cult video. That's what it looked like. It was like a cult like recruitment video. Yeah. It's so hilarious. <laughs> Well, I do think that there are some Californians that are just, they're so tired of the masks and tired of the stuff that they keep hearing from from Newsom. Uh, Someone said, if I'm at a table with my family and appropriately distanced from others, there is no chance in hell I'm wearing a mask between bites. You're insane. Mm -hmm. And then someone else said, this embarrasses me. A Californian who voted for Newsom, mask wearing, social distancing are vital, but this is ridiculous. Touching your mask that frequently is worse. Patio dining, masked servers, masked patrons, except when eating and drinking. Take this down and alter the directive. Do you think people are just sick to death of all the mask mandates? I think some of them are getting there. Of course, there are like a hardcore, you know, population of that cult that um, are just ardently defending it. Uh, But what's hilarious is the people that are sick of it, like some of the people you're reading off. Um, yeah, they're pissed. You know, they're leaving New York and California in droves. They're moving to Texas. And what are they going to do? They're going to continue to vote blue. Yep. Guaranteed. They, they, don't, they don't listen. Like, they leave California. And I, I lived there for a real long time. They're like, yeah, we're moving to Texas. I'm like, why? Because, you know, it's, it's easier to make a living there, you know? And, like, there's no state income tax and all that stuff. How are you going to vote? Oh, we're still voting Democrat. Yeah. What do you think that if, you, if they gain power in Texas, what they're right. going, it's going to become California? Transfer the problems here. Well, in California, I just feel like you might as well just tell people, like, get in a body bag already because you're putting that fear in them mm. about every little thing. All right, so I've got another story for you that I thought was really interesting. A Texas grand jury indicts Netflix on criminal charges of lewd visual material with a child in the Cuties film. Now, Netflix continues to stand up for their work. I thought this was interesting. If you, if you missed all that several weeks ago, Cuties, it's an award-winning French film that centers around four 11-year-old girls in a sensual dance troupe. Uh, the movie is rated mature. For mature audiences only, um, but a Texas, the Texas Rangers served Netflix with a summons on October 1st, according to Tyler County District Attorney Lucas Babin. And 
They just said that uh, a portion of the indictment says that the film and the Netflix CEOs, Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos, they knowingly promote visual material which depicts the lewd exhibition of the genitals or pubic area of a clothed or partially clothed child who was younger than 18 years of age at the time the visual material was created, which appeals to an interest in sex and has no serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Now, there, there were a lot of people really asking for this. I mean, tons of petitions and online um, fervor about it. I'm one of the people that canceled my Netflix subscription when all of this came out because I did watch as much of the film as I could to report on it. I went on Pat Gray show to talk about it. And it was disturbing. Because you, I mean, if you had the images that are in this film, if you had stills from, from some of the clips in this film on your computer, you could have been charged with having child pornography in your home. But because yeah. this was a movie on Netflix, all of a sudden it was art. Yeah. What do you guys think about the, the grand jury indicting them on this? Well, good for them. Uh, I'm glad someone's doing something. Well, the, um, there's so many amazing different things about this. The first is how Netflix continues to double down with their support. So I saw in this in this story again they they doubled down with how they're sticking by you know their support of this film like I cannot believe it it's the, the, their main uh, you know defense on this is oh you know we just it's a great film about you know pointing out you know how girls you know what are the, they're, they're, how they're forced to be over sexualized or something like that I'm like what are you talking about so to to prove that girls are over sexualized and that's a bad thing you overly sexualize girls mm-hmm. it makes no sense it's like I, if I if if someone wants to prove that murder is bad so they go out and murder a bunch of people to show how murder is bad what are you talking about this this is such an easy you know this is such an easy condemnation that's the other amazing thing that this has become a right and left issue like the people like people on the right apparently are the only ones that care that these girls were are being sexually exploited mm-hmm. like how in what world are we living in that's i i just well, we're living in a world where Barack Obama is an executive with Netflix. Yep. Okay, so I won't go that far. But tomorrow night on the Chad Prather Show, we're, we're going to do a very deep uh, look into this issue. Because with Netflix, it's not just cuties. There's a number of, of documentaries as well as reality shows that are on there that are featuring these young girls that are dancing. They're parts of these dance troops. There's another one called Dancing Queen uh, that's based out of Mesquite, Texas, where you have a transvestite who was on RuPaul's Drag Race, who is the head of this competition dance troupe and teaches these, these and, and it, it really hypersexualizes a lot of these young girls wearing their, yeah, wearing their, um, uh, you know, cl- look, I'm a dance dad. I, I've, got a, I've got a daughter who's 21 years old. She's at a university on a dance scholarship, right? I'm a dance dad. I understand. I know the culture. I know what's out there. I understand how these parents operate. I know the way their mind works, but I also know the way the mind of men work. And when you're putting that stuff out there, uh, you are hypersexualizing and normalizing some things that really shouldn't be. And at some point in time, you can call me a Puritan if you want. I'm not, but I can tell you there's got to be some, some level of decency that remains in our culture or we are completely in trouble. Well, and Jason, you've kind of worked closely with these situations where people have been trafficked and things like that. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's bringing up some bad memories. I, the girls, the same girls that are the, the age that, that they are in cuties, I, I've been to parts of the world where they are on like basically mm-hmm. a slave market. Mm-hmm. I, I personally sat at a table, a lot smaller than this, more like a card table where they brought out an 11-year-old girl dressed the exact same way, but mm-hmm. she couldn't pull her head off the table because they had her drugged because we, they were hoping we would buy her. Um, actually, that was the most hardest thing I've ever had to do was walk away um, from that. 
uh, and not strangle the two traffickers on the other side. Um, it's, it's almost like people don't think that that exists in this world. Mm-hmm. They don't believe that exists. Um, that, and anyone that is in that has been a part of that world of fighting sex trafficking, fighting the exploitation of kids like that, um, they know. They, they've, they've looked into the eyes of not the actors or actresses, but the mm-hmm. actual children that have suffered over this. And it's going to make me cuss. This crap is enabling that to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Normalizes it. That's why Netflix will never get another dollar for me or for my family. That is for sure. All right, we've got to go to break. We'll be right back. Yeah, I went to my husband and said, hey, have you seen this? Do you know anything about this? Because, of course, he loved Netflix and loves all the documentaries. So do you remember the McCloskey family? Well, a grand jury has indicted them with gun exhibiting charges and added a charge of tampering with evidence. Uh, they just uh, indicted them on Tuesday, and the McCloskeys, they, they became material for memes nationally when they waved their guns in June at Black Lives Matter protesters. They had trespassed into their private neighborhood on their way to protest at the mayor's home. Well, the McCloskey said that they feared for their lives, and they reacted by protecting their property with their weapons. We have a clip. Well, I'll tell you this. What you're witnessing here in this case is just an opportunity for the government, the leftist, Democrat, government of the city of St. Louis to persecute us for doing no more than exercising our Second Amendment rights. Every single human being who was in front of my house was a criminal trespasser. They broke down our gate. They trespassed on our property. Not a single one of those people is now charged with anything. We're charged with felonies that could cost us four years of our life and our law licenses. To everybody out there that's thinking about voting for Joe Biden, the Harris-Biden administration, this is a sign of the times and things to come. The government that views its task as protecting criminals from honest citizens rather than protecting citizens from honest criminals. Honest criminals. Honest criminals. (laughs) (laughs) Protecting honest citizens from criminals. Every one of those people is a criminal. There's no doubt about it. The government chooses to persecute us for doing no more than exercising our right to defend ourselves, our home, our property, and our family. And now we're getting drug here time after time after time. And for what? We didn't fire a shot. People that were violently protesting in front of our house and screaming death threats and threats of rape and threats of arson. Nobody gets charged, but we get charged. So their attorney said that the indictment's not a surprise. He's confident that they'll be exonerated on all charges. And as you heard Mr. McCloskey say, nine protesters, they were charged with trespassing over the incident, but the local officials refused to prosecute them. So what is the end goal here? Well, I'm going to have a peaceful protest. If they're, if they're not exonerated, I'm going to St. Louis. We're going to have a peaceful protest. <laughs> I mean, that's the logic, right? I've had people, I was reading people on Twitter, and you kind of have to chuckle to yourself the justification. Is there. They say, well, they didn't break down their gate. They broke down the neighborhood gate. Okay, well, still, they broke down a gate to come into this private community and then trespassed on their property. And McCloskey's not wrong about them th- shouting out the threats. Rioting and destruction of property had already occurred in St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, not too far from, from where they lived. Uh, everyone there knew that this was a possibility. They broke down that gate. They should have been arrested right then, but mm-hmm. they weren't. Um, then they threatened them. They threatened them. Uh, what, everything he said was exactly true. They threatened them, and all they did was protect their property. They didn't step off the gr- grounds of their property. They protected their property. And for that, literally everything protected that they, they did is protected in the Constitution. 
Um, absolutely insane. I, I told there's a reason why people like George Soros uh, are buying up DAs all over the country. It's for crap like this. They want to keep the actual criminals out on the streets, causing chaos, and they want to prosecute law-abiding citizens. It's absolutely what they want to do. Uh, an indictment, yeah, is not a, is not a surprise um, by a grand jury. I, I, th- that's not an actual like courts. You know, it's not like a few good men where you have the you know Tom Cruise over here and Kevin Bacon over here. The defense is not invited to the to mm-hmm. to the uh, indictment in the for in front of a grand jury. So it's completely political. That right there tells you everything. It's completely political. Once this opens up and you actually hear the case and it goes back and forth, they're going to walk. I I mean, I can almost guarantee you they're going to walk because this is a sham. It's an absolute sham. It's such a shame that a year of their lives is just now going to be wasted on dealing with this nonsense. And these are people who historically vote Democrat. Right. If I understand it right, they've they've historically voted Democrat and they're saying this is what you're going to get with a Biden Harris presidency uh, or administration. So that's interesting. Mm. Well, so what do we do to protect ourselves then? If I mean, if they're law abiding citizens, they did what they could do to protect their home and yet they're still being indicted for it. What do we do? It's a good question. It really is. Let me, I, let, me let me just let me to that. I'm sorry for interrupting, Jason. But first of all, one of the things is the appearance. They 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 obviously don't know how to handle firearms. Yeah. They don't know how to handle those kind of things. And it was a bad look. Them fanning each other and you know yeah. flagging each other and the way they were. They, but yet you've seen a lot of people who have protected their business in the middle of these protests slash riots who are armed and yet they're not fanning it at people and aiming it at people. And you haven't had repercussions for that. One thing is education. Learn how to handle a firearm. Learn how to train yourself uh, or learn how to, you know, learn, get the training for yourself. And then, you know, educate yourself in a big, big way, because appearances in a lot of ways look can be made to look, especially with the way the media can twist things, can make you look guilty. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like the billboard said, just because you did it don't mean you're guilty. <laughs> Another big problem is that a lot of the in a lot of these communities, the the police, they're not allowing the police to actually do their job. Right. Mm-hmm. So in this this case is a little bit different. But like I say, the case of um, what was the 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 seventeen year old that shot in yeah. Kenosha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he yeah yeah I I'll agree with him. He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have felt compelled to be there because the police should have been allowed to do their job. So they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. But there's law-abiding citizens that know this. Like the, no one's protect the, the uh, police. Police are not being allowed to do their job. So someone has to. Right. That's what you're going to get. I'm sorry. That is what you're going to get. People yeah. are. I mean, in my in my community, if the police weren't doing their job and the local cafe was being threatened, mm-hmm. I'd go stand post. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would. Right. And there's, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm literally exercising my rights as an American. That's right. why I'm friends with the two of you, because if something goes down, I'm, I know who I'm going to go to. <laughs> I, mean, I may or may not have you know, concussive grenades at my house. We've got some flashbangs. All right. All right, we've got to go to break. We'll come back with our poll, our question of the day. <laughs> our poll results and our question of the day. I, uh, How funny. You know about smoke grenades and stuff. The vice presidential debate is tonight, so reacting live with you is a stellar Blaze TV lineup decked with your favorite personalities, Glenn Beck, Steve Dace, Dave Rubin, Ali Bestucki, 
It's moderated by USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page tonight. So be there at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and then later at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Blaze TV brings you the most pro-America conservative analysis that you won't see anywhere else. And we've got promo code DEBATE for $20 off your annual subscription. And if you aren't yet a member, you can catch it for free at YouTube.com slash Blaze TV. All right. So let's get to our poll question from yesterday. I, there it was. What is the most important issue in the upcoming election? The lockdowns, coronavirus or the economy? The economy was the big winner there. I think that's about right. It's 71.1 percent. The question for today, will you be watching the VP debate tonight? Yes or no, gentlemen? If I didn't have to, no. But because <laughs> I work here, yes. yes. No, I've been looking forward to this debate. Okay. I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah, so I'll be watching. Nice. I will, too. I can't Mainly wait. because I want to. <laughs> no, it's going to be good. It'll be good. It'll be good. <laughs> I like Mikey Pence. I wonder if he'll stay awake the whole time. That's the one thing. I don't right. know. It's like... Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.